just the whole shame around sexual abuse is stupid. That's very, that's, that's a taboo. You don't get help. Or you can, I mean, you're not crazy. That's what they say. But I just thought, I'm um, being paranoid. Like men oftentimes will portray the woman as the crazy ones. Just take his very tiny dick out and be like, I never, ever, ever, ever expected something like that to happen to me. So I have a clitoris, but I also don't. I can do it in like 15 seconds when I do it myself. People are very surprised when they say, oh, you must rain. I'm like, oh, that's a, I'm like, yeah, you should. Like, Hi, everyone. Welcome to the O Collective Podcast. We are Wingsy, Simona, Eden, and Diana, and we're all about intimate female pleasure and wellness. In this podcast, we share insights from modern third culture kids on relationships, sex, intimacy, to help you navigate your way through life. Today, we're talking to Jurari, who on the surface is looking like she's living the life. She's a model, she's an online creative, she's being invited to the most exclusive parties, and she's raising a super cute little baby boy next to it. However, in this episode, we'll go a little bit deeper than that. We'll talk about topics that you don't really easily come across on social media. Juraria has been a victim of sexual abuse and she opens up to us about it. And she also gives us the lessons that she wants everybody out there to know. Next to this super intense experience, Juraria also suffers from a very rare skin disease called lichen sclerosis which impacts the areas around her genitals. At age 24, it seems that Jorari has lived several lives already. So let's get into it. Hi, Jorari. Hi, Jorariya. Hi. Hi, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. To start the podcast, we would like you to describe yourself in one sentence. Well, I can do it in one word, maybe. Oh. I think I'm caring. That will be something very Jorariya. I love that. Okay, well, we'd like to warm up with like an icebreaker. So what does feeling sexy mean to you? Everything. My mom, from when I was really little, always um, taught me that feminine sexuality is extremely important. So I think that feeling sexy for me is basically the base of my whole existence. <laughs> so it's very important, actually. Is your mom Moroccan or is she Vietnamese? Vietnamese. Ah, wow. And then your Vietnamese mom told you that sexuality is that. Yeah, yeah. I think that's uh, unique. Is it, not, is it not? I see, I do see Vietnamese women as extremely feminine and sexy. Like just yeah, from like sure. traditional dresses, like the high slits, super form fitting. And like there are so many beautiful and feminine and sexy Vietnamese women out there. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But I think also, I think Vietnamese culture is very, very, very similar to Chinese culture. Um, I mean, we have the same holidays, basically everything. So my mom is very unique when it comes to this kind of stuff. Because also, my mom is a very out-of-the-box mother. She got me when she was really young. So basically, everything about her is shame upon family. <laughs> so that's why I think she's also... Breaking taboo. Yeah, she is. Go Mama Juraria. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, yes. So what is one thing you can remember learning about sexuality growing up? That it always needed to be a safe thing. And I'm not talking about safe when it comes to like STDs and stuff. But my mom always taught me that um, I think when I was about 12, she already started to kind of warm me up. When I got interested in boys, she was always like, yeah, and... If you ever want to do it, you need to make sure that you really like somebody. You need to. She always taught me that your vagina is a diamond. <laughs> and that oh. only people with very, very delicate gloves can touch it. 
I like this. I'm gonna I'm gonna say yeah. this. <laughs> yeah. So she always said to me that it needs to be something that you need to be very comfortable with and that you want yourself to. And she said like. If you ever feel like you want to have sex, just tell me and I'd rather have you do it at home where you feel comfortable and then we'll just all go away and we'll have, we'll give you your time. But yeah, wow. something yeah. very comfortable. So that's what she taught me. Such wow. a cool mom. Yeah, yeah, I have a very cool mom actually. Yeah. That is not a very typical Asian from, mom. No, not at all. She's the mom from uh, Mean Girls. You know, the one <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cool mom. Yeah, yeah, that's her. <laughs> And my mom would lock me up just to make sure that I wouldn't have any sex. <laughs> Other way around. All right. So you're from Vietnamese and Moroccan descent while living in the Netherlands. Yeah. How did that affect your upbringing around sexuality and sexual intimacy? You already alluded to that a little bit. Yeah. So my mom raised me. My mom is Vietnamese. Um, and then I wasn't really raised by my father. I was raised by my stepfather from when I was four year old. And he is Japanese, but also raised in the Netherlands. He's half Dutch too. So I guess my parents are really, they're very open. And when I speak about my parents, just to clarify, I speak about my stepfather and my mom. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, Amsterdam is very open in general about sex and sexual stuff. Yeah. And so were my parents, actually. My mom, you know, I, I also had like heard them having sex a lot when I was oh. a kid. It was so traumatizing. <laughs> uh, and then like, you know, my parents never had the intention to do that. But they always told me like, yeah, you know, you should be happy that we do it. It means that we love each other. It's healthy. So I guess that I grew up in a very open household and also just in general in Amsterdam my high school everything everything was very open and comfortable yeah the west is very open so nothing of the Asian strictness that influenced your upbringing yeah in many ways it also did um, maybe not when it comes to sex but also no actually also when it came to sex because I remember when I was little I was never ever ever able to sleep over at friends for example and I think that that's a very Vietnamese uh, thing my mom was always is very very scared and just everybody basically every female in the family is always very scared that children or teenagers get raped so they are very protective when it comes to um yeah letting you stay over you know when there was a father or an older brother somewhere i was never able to go there uh, my mom was, was like no she can come play in our house and we'll just bring her back or yeah. we uh like you can stay there until late and then i will pick you up so in in a way i also grew up very asian but also not i see that part yeah. Because the, the, the part where, where our parents are super concerned about the, the rape part, I don't really see that coming back in Dutch culture, right? Oh, no, not I, at all. Yeah. No, no, no. My, my Dutch friends were always, when I was already in like uh, elementary school, they were always sleeping over everywhere and I was never able to join any sleepover. Yeah. And also just like coming home late and that kind of stuff. Like my mom was very protective when it came to that. Yeah, it's something that happens. We don't talk about it a lot, but it also happens a lot still in Asia. Yeah, 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 for yeah, sure. I think yeah. most of my aunts, I mean, I don't speak about it, but I have a suspicion that everybody basically got raped. So uh. Yeah, I mean, it's also in the Vietnamese war and stuff. It was very common. So, yeah. I mean, my, my grandma has two children from two American soldiers. So, I mean, it's kind of shady. Oh, wow. yeah. <laughs> yeah, that that stuff happens. That's an intense, uh, intense, what is it? Upbringing, no cultural background. Like yeah. reality, I, I guess. Yeah. Because yeah. we didn't, yeah, like, I, I mean, I was watching this documentary on Netflix Um about the donut king and it's about cambodia but also it's just like this life that a lot of 
of us really cannot understand. And it wasn't that long ago these things happened. Like your grandpa, your grandmother, you know, that's just two generations up, but yeah, they went through an entirely different life. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's crazy to think that this was literally when my mom was already born. Like this stuff happened. And I think you can, and it's not about sex then, but I think in many ways you can still see the trauma in the family, uh, the war, basically all the scar that the war uh, caused. Is it getting better? Because over the years, the new generations, it's like they're more safe or secure or more educated about it or men are less inclined to do it maybe maybe from my generation but i definitely think that my mom's generation is still very much damaged and it's mm. a choice to that person and that parent to break that cycle but i think it's very oh. and that's hard for that generation as well because that yeah. generation also doesn't look for any help no no because yeah. that's also taboo that's very that's that's a taboo you don't get yeah. help so you can't yeah. I mean, you're not crazy that's what they say yeah exactly yeah yeah speaking of like taboo i mean it's weird that there's like a contrast of like your mom never made you feel shame about the topic of like sexuality but then there, there was such an other 180 of concern about the world of sexuality yeah. so like what what is your real like thought on i mean you kind of touched up on it a little bit but like about self-pleasure and intimacy and the taboos that do come with it because you you have a very strong contrast of both sides of it yeah i don't really feel that there is any taboo on it to be honest really? i'm very i'm very open about it but, and my mom is also very open about it so i never felt shame or taboo when it comes to like masturbation and stuff my mom literally gave me two vibrators oh that's amazing wow. yeah, yeah yeah and also how old were you Ooh, how old were i yeah i think like 16 or something oh wow good amazing. mom yeah my But mom did, you, did like, your... oh, you have sex did they give you orgasm or otherwise it's bad sex like my mom is really... oh wow <laughs> <laughs> did, did, did your did your peers give you any judgment from that though no not really but i i do feel that even in dutch culture masturbation is still something you don't really speak about i mean people are very surprised when they say oh you must rain I'm like oh that's a, I'm like yeah you should like I'm surprised how many women don't do that or don't admit to it um, yeah I ha- I'm, I'm curious what did your mom say when she gave you your first vibrator that I need to get to know my own body first uh, and very well to be able to have good sex And she said that if you don't wow. know your body well, then a boy can also don't know your body you, well. You've got such a progressive mom. Where yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, she's really cool. What, did she get this from her mom or where did she get this no. mom from? No, I, I mean, I watched the previous podcast and you were speaking about your parents and that's exactly my grandma. Like, you don't speak about it. You don't talk about it. Like, typical, typical traditional Asian mom. Yeah. Yeah. Like, my mom was literally pregnant when she was 17 and... My grandmother is like, oh, where did that came from? You know, <laughs> she, she's like, it's, it's like a typical, typical, uh, traditional Asian mom. Wow. Then you, you, your, your mom like really encouraged you to know your body. And I, I assume that you took that. I mean, it sounds like you, you know your body well and you're very confident. Um, yeah. But you did also open up to us about your condition called lichen sclerosis i'm yeah. not sure if i'm pronouncing it properly can you kind of share what what that is because it's it's also seems very it seems shocking to hear that, that this is I, i think a lot of us probably wouldn't know about it no, um, or be aware of it no. yeah it, and i hope you didn't google it because it looks disgusting on google i mean my vagina doesn't look like that oh i need some more image and on oh, wikipedia um, okay yeah it's an auto um it's an autoimmune disease and um it mostly affects the skin 
skin around your genitalia, but not always. You can also have it behind your ears. I also have it behind my ears. Uh, you can have it in between your fingers. Um, basically, skin that it's that is thin and vulnerable that kind of gets affected by it and basically what it does is when it gets damaged it kind of like i don't know how to explain it but it like hyper it kind of like hyper um heals itself which causes um i don't know how to call it in english but it kind of like makes the skin very thick with a lot of scar tissue so mm -hmm. what happened with me is when i was very little uh, my mom actually took me to the doctor a lot because um, she thought i was being raped maybe in school or somewhere else because i always had like a very and i was around like four years old i always had like a very red and open wounds there uh -huh. um, and it always looked very irritated i always had a lot of pain and itch so my mom was always really scared you know like that asian protection came in she was always really scared that something happened to me and we actually found out very late when i was actually 15 or something when i started having sex what it was because it's so rare it, it really like not a lot of people have it so the doctors didn't know when your mom brought you to no. the doctors no no and it, it either happens with young children or it happens after menopause Oh, yeah, right. guys can also have it but it's more common i think in women and with me basically what my problem is is that the skin around my clitoris kind of we call it the hood is closed so i have a clitoris but i also don't because it's uh, buried underneath a lot of skin so that's also why my mom gave me a vibrator when i started having sex because it needs to stay open so it doesn't grow like it doesn't close anymore uh -huh. oh so it was like a medical reason you had to do it also because but i don't really have it around the opening i just have it around my clitoris but if you have sex and for example it's not wet enough or anything it will rip Ah. So, uh, oh. it rips and then when it rips it gets irritated and then the lichting sclerosis gets activated kind of and it um yeah it will hyper heal and then it, it will just be a big fucking issue but has that affected the way you can reach an orgasm in any way yeah for sure i cannot have an orgasm with well while i have sex I can do it in like 15 seconds when I do it myself, but I never, ever, ever had like a full orgasm with a guy. That's probably very common for most women, yeah. but you actually have a, also a condition around it. So I actually wanted to yeah, see, yeah. are you sure that this is because of your condition or is this just a, a general thing? Because a lot of women don't have an orgasm when they have sex. The thing with me, I think is it's a combination of the two. So I remember when I started masturbating, I was maybe... When I discovered it, it was around like when I was 10. I still had a clitoris because I remember looking there with a mirror because I was curious how it looked. And then I thought, oh, I have a little, I call it a little pearl down there. Yeah. And then it's like it's like, like very slowly started to close. Um, so the skin started to close on it. And I think because there is a lot of skin on it, I have less sensitivity. And because I have less sensitivity when I was a young teenager, I taught myself how to kind of like flex my muscles really hard in my legs mm -hmm. to have an orgasm quicker because it's basically all about flexing mm -hmm. your muscles and ten like putting tension in your muscles. So I think that's kind of the issue. Like I don't feel comfortable laying on my back, putting my leg like that to have an orgasm while I have sex, you know? So I think that's kind of the biggest issue. So it's a combination of the two. Mm. Because my mom was always like, yeah, you have to stop and you have to do this and then you can have orgasm. And I'm like, it never works. I'm like, I never <laughs> So you can still have a clitoral orgasm. Yeah, yeah, at yeah. At this point. Yeah. It just 
takes different effort. Yeah. So I just like, I think I just like taught myself how to do it my way. And now I have a lot of issues kind of not doing it that way. And I mean, I'm training it a lot lately to try and do it in other ways. But then it's just like baby orgasms. Is is there anybody else in your family who has it? Is this um, or where does it, it just appears? Yeah, I don't, also don't think it's a genetic disease. I think it's just bad luck. So before we we started a podcast, we already went through the topics and there is one other topic that is a little bit more sensitive. And we already discussed that you live more lives than we combined live. Before. Uh, yeah, you told us about that you've been sexually abused. Could you maybe allude a little bit to that and how that yeah, happened or whatever, whatever message you want to spread around it? Yeah, well, basically, I have a whole Instagram life about this on my Instagram yeah, that goes more in depth into the story. Yeah. Because I also don't want to waste too much time on this bastard. But yeah, what I did and what was my whole kind of message that I wanted to give people is that there's a lot of shame around it mm-hmm. and a lot of guilt, I think, also. And feeling that it was your fault, which it's, it is never. So yeah, I, I never, I never, ever, ever, ever expected something like that to happen to me because I thought, oh, that happens when you're naive or yeah, yeah. like dumb. And it happens with shy girls or girls that don't you know have a voice or anything it was also super stupid for me to think that as super judgmental too uh but you know i am very very vocal about basically everything so yeah. i i never expected something like that to happen to me but it goes so it, it's so sneaky basically and it kind of like enters your life so slowly and then yeah i mean in some in some cases in my case so yeah i, I never expected something like that to happen to me but yeah i just i just don't want people to think like me like i did before that it only happens to naive girls and that it, it you know it doesn't happen to girls that yeah are actually very tough um, and that is just not your fault just the whole shame around sexual abuse is stupid is there anything that really helped you out of it or afterwards someone who helped you or something that helped you to realize that or to get out of Um, that spiral first to acknowledge it because i didn't for a while Um, and i also didn't open up about it for a few weeks but yeah uh the ex-girlfriend of the guy who raped me i for some weird reason we got into contact with each other and she really really helped me because when she said like oh my god that happened to me too all of the sudden it became reality in my mind too because i kind of like put it in a dark corner somewhere in my head i didn't want to think about it anymore mm-hmm. so i think that the acknowledgement that 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 it happened is very important and then afterwards for me which is kind of i think also a radical was a radical decision but taking my sexuality back so i told my mom uh, like i really I really, really, really need to have sex with somebody that is nice and that I like. And um, so that when I was really scared that I wouldn't have sex for a really long time because I was scared. And then when I met somebody that I really liked that... I kind of, I was broken. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I told my mom, like, I'm going to find somebody. I'm going to have a one night stand for the first time in my life with a very sexy guy. So I kind of forget the image of, of this really gross, tiny guy. Yeah. Um, and that helped me. I, I'm very aware that it's not for everybody because, I mean, not everybody does that. But for me, it really helped to kind of, like, take everything back i really feel like he took my sexuality from me and he took basically everything that my mom taught me and everything that i built over my sexual years he just took it away from me all of a sudden i was really scared i I really didn't feel sexy anymore i felt dumb i didn't feel in control anymore and i had to take that back so that helped for me i think that's very powerful 
and actually also yeah, confronting, the, confronting the problem in that way instead yeah. of running away from it and trying yeah. to hide from it. Yeah. Oh, I think it's very powerful. Yeah. So um, what was, what was your, sorry, what was your mom's like kind of response to that? Because it sounded like when you were growing up, that was a, such a fear for her. And then having to come to terms with facing that again must have been not so easy. Well, I mean, like, I think my mom was scared when I was a child. So I think, mm-hmm. I mean, it's painful that this happened, but it's also, you know, I'm, I'm a big girl. So she's like, okay, it's shit that it happened, but you're, you're strong enough to cope with it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, she was, she also felt really, really bad about it. She, right. uh, and she also agreed that it was good to confront the problem instead of running away from it, because I'm really good at running away from problems and just like putting them somewhere, not thinking about it anymore. Don't speak about it. And that's actually very Asian. Yeah. If I don't see it, it doesn't exist. So yeah, basically yeah. I do that with everything and it will catch up to you one day. Like mm-hmm. one day, everything will come out. You get a burnout, something happens, it triggers. And yeah. So my mom was really like, okay, we're going to work on it. This happens. We're going to, if you want to do therapy, we can do therapy. So yeah, also just really like confronting the problem. Were you in a relationship with this guy at the time? No, I was dating him. Um, I actually like long story short, I met him, I think like four years ago in Amsterdam. He's from New York. And so I, I actually knew who it was, but I never really, I never really looked at him as a potential dating candidate because he's just not my type and everything. Um, but I think everybody had some weird thing going on during the first lockdown like i was just bored i just got out of a relationship and i thought like oh you know this is gonna be the year where i can because i'm, I'm a grandma i never had a one-night stand i never go to clubs i never i don't have sex with a lot of people you know i'm, I'm very i'm very boring basically so i thought like okay this is gonna be my wild year i'm gonna go on hinge i'm gonna go on tinder whatever <laughs> And then for some reason, I got in contact with him again. We always followed each other on Instagram. And it's just a very, you know, it's a very funny, nice guy. And I guess just out of boredom, I started talking to him. And then actually for me, it was just friendly. And then all of a sudden it turned into like more romantic conversations and i was like eh, whatever i'll just go with it he's in new york i don't care it's like untangible and everything so uh yeah i kind of rolled into it and he, even in the back of my head i knew it wasn't something but i really wanted to believe that it was mm-hmm. and then it was difficult because you know the united states was closed for a long time so uh we decided to meet up in aruba and i also just really needed vacation so i was like oh whatever nice romantic vacation just go there together we meet i already met him so i know it's not weirdo hope <laughs> that happens yeah so we met there and then it was just a fucking nightmare i i remember just the first time i got in like i got out of the airplane and i saw him and i was like mm, like he was super tiny and i mean nothing wrong with tiny guys but it's just not my thing and i was like so not attracted to him everything about him like his face and his little hands everything was like oh, shit. I, 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 because I never really paid attention to it because when I met him mm-hmm. times I never looked at him that way mm-hmm. and I've never been that close to him but I was like oh my god this is gonna be horrible but then he you know was very I think he was very in love with me and he really like he, but he was just very weird I remember also on FaceTime he would just start wanking sometimes oh. like I would have a very oh. normal conversation and he would just take his very tiny dick out and be like so he oh my god! Just like pred- he has like very predatorial behavior. Oh, extremely! Yeah. And when I was there, um, you know, he forced me to do things. I'm pretty sure he drugged me. Um, I'm not pretty, oh sure, pretty sure he drugged me. He gave me like um, a gummy, like a candy bear, mm-hmm. and he told me like, "Oh, you know, this is like." 
uh, CBD oil and it's just like relaxing. I thought like, okay, whatever, I'm on vacation. I never did drugs before, but you know, I'm 20, I'm 24, I can do this. So I tried and later when I actually took actual drugs for the first time in my life, the end of last year, I recognized the taste. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, he did drop me. Because I took it mm-hmm. and I remember we were like on a beach and all of a sudden like I couldn't like hold my head anymore. Like everything was spinning. I had to lay down and I was just knocked out for like one and a half day. I was just on the bed. Like I couldn't move or anything. And he was on top of me and I was kind of like conscious, but also not. I think I also checked out somewhere. Mm-hmm. He was just yeah. so gross. He made pictures of me. Like I would be showering and he would just come in the, the, the bathroom, take pictures. And I would be like, oh my gosh. I like, I don't really like that. He's like, no, just for myself. It's because you're so beautiful and I love you so much. But yeah. Oh my gosh. Afterwards, I really realized that it was horrible. And his ex-girlfriend was also saying that he is like obsessed with leaving marks. And then I also kind of remembered that he wanted to bite me the whole time or like, you know, give me hickeys. And I told him like, yo, it's not my thing. And also like, I have a photo shoot next week and you cannot do that to me. I don't want that. And he was so obsessed with just like leaving bruises and marks everywhere. And yeah, he was thinking back. I'm really like, I I had some issues. I got into that. Like, I really thought, oh, like what can go wrong? You know, like I'm going there with somebody I already met like a few times and whatever but no it was a nightmare yeah i hope hope that like some people are calling him out not ensuring that he knows it's not okay behavior for i'm not sure but i i do know that um so he's korean and you know Asians they're very like very traditional like rich Korean family um, mm. so that's even worse if you're a rich Korean family because they're even they're even stricter mm. um, and you know I, I was talking on FaceTime with him for like half a year or something so his family was also there they knew me they know I'm not a crazy girl you know they know I'm I'm I have a job I'm normal you know that's very important stuff for him for them and um, he had an ex-girlfriend also Korean and they kind of like painted her as a weird like a weird mentally disabled like just mentally like not okay girl because she also told him like he raped me and he did stuff to me but because they had a relationship for four years um the family thought like oh no she's lying she she's just crazy but now when i told them too i think they realized that something was wrong that I went from talking to him every day and being very nice to his family to never want to speak to him again. I also told his sister, like, you know, he raped me, he drugged me. They were very shocked. So I do think that his family now is looking at him very differently. And he's Korean, you know, his his mommy paid everything for him. So I think he is feeling it now. I hope so. Like, I do feel like a lot of the reason why women feel so much shame of, around this topic is also because, like, men oftentimes feel like men oftentimes will portray the woman as the crazy ones when in reality they're the predator and then they put women in the position where like oh she was crazily obsessed it wasn't just me it was actually her so it's good to know that like hey his family is also starting to realize that he is the problem not anyone else but that's yeah. that's why I think it's so good and strong that me and his ex-girlfriend approached his family and did our story. And I think that's what made them realize, like, okay, he's a fucking crackhead. Like he <laughs> he's not okay in the head. So but yeah, publicly 
I don't know. He's probably gonna see this podcast too because he's stalking me on private accounts and stuff. Well, we'll make sure to blast it out. Mm. Hang on. So, what are the red flags in a guy that a girl should never ignore? I mean, I, I think for many girls it's different because you like different stuff in men. Uh, but personally, I think jealousy, possessiveness, because I just really dislike that in guys. But also, I think your gut feeling. Not even I. I mean, I can I can name a list of things, but I think that women are very smart and sensitive when it comes to your gut feeling. And sometimes, I mean, been there, done that. You really want something to work out, and you think like, oh, maybe this is the one. But if if you feel it in your gut, it's it's probably true. Yeah. So um, yeah, that's something I had to learn the hard way. <laughs> but uh, I mean, from the beginning, I knew something was up with this guy too. But I just thought ah, I'm being paranoid or I'm just like self sabotaging. But yeah, at the end, I think your gut feeling is always like always follow your intuition. So um, just now you shared, you know, your. A big part of your life story, and uh, you've also experienced sexual abuse. Do you think you've overcome that, and how do you think that has impacted your sexual life today? I definitely think I I, I overcame it. 100% sure. Like um, it took me a while, but no, I don't think it has any impact anymore on my on my sexual life now because I took those very radical steps to kind of take everything back. So I think that really helped for me. No, I think it's also very strong that you're just open to talk about it and kind of break the taboo that it shouldn't be discussed or that it should be put away and, and nobody should actually know this part of you. Yeah, I think it's good that you spread this message out and for all the girls out there that they should realize that it's never their fault. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I mean, you saw the the Instagram live. Yeah. I also didn't expect to become so emotional. Like I was shaking and. So I, that was very difficult for me, but now that I overcame that, I I can easily speak about it. So now I really know, like it's in the past, this is behind me. I've been there, done the chapter closed. Life. Yeah. Amazing, great. So after all of this, what is the one piece of advice that you would give all girls and women out there? With your own needs first. That's yeah. Yeah. that's the motto too. I always say, I love you but I love me more. Yeah. So I think, um, I feel like women cater to men so much. And also when you look at porn and stuff, I feel like it's always about the guy. Yeah. You know, the guy finishes, then we're done. And, you know, it's, it's, I think sex is very, very, very much catered to the pleasure of a guy. Mm. So I think that women should just fuck, fuck that guy. Like his dick will stay hard for a while. Like who do you? <laughs> You know, I think I think that's the, that's the most, uh, yeah. most important thing. Great, I see a pattern here. We had a we had a previous guest who also said that put yourself yeah. first, don't lose yourself. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I only saw one podcast, so I have no idea. Yeah, no, we, well, we're also now at podcast number seven, I think. So we didn't have that <laughs> yet, but <laughs> it's a pattern that I see from the last two episodes. Yeah, oh, that's yeah, good. yeah. <laughs> it means that uh, that women are uh, stronger. Yeah. Starting to realize this. Yeah. Definitely re-empowering ourselves. Yeah. And what would be your favorite self-love quote? I love you, but I love me more. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> love that. I love it. I love it. I love it. You said so many things that I think are are just really. I love that you're so open to share it because not a lot of people would be. Like the old collective, we talk about being just like you because there are women that are going through the same thing, and we've actually met a lot of women here. 
um, in China who have faced the same things and gone to their parents and their parents told them to not talk about it because yeah. it would bring them shame. Yeah. And you also right. being so open and, you know, what articulate about it is great. Yeah, I think it's so important, especially when you're a, a public figure, which I don't think I am, but definitely if you have some sort of following on Instagram, uh, you know, it's so superficial and you only see one part of somebody's life um, that I think, I feel that is already a very toxic trait of social media. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's so important for people to see that people that they look up to or like, um, to see that they're going through the same struggles mm-hmm. and um being open about it and talking about it really kind of you know because I, I do feel that there's a big taboo still on it is so 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 important even if I could just help one person with this podcast with that Instagram live that's my goal and the podcast was very efficient I think we did it in the in a short amount of time but we discussed everything that we wanted to and what's I think very yeah. strong um if they want if people want to know more about you where can they find you uh, well I'm only on in- Instagram so I try to have like very good contact with everybody that sends me a DM. It's very difficult, but usually when people send me a DM with questions, I'm always willing to answer. Thank you so okay, much. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye.